This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, the late, late show with me, Sean Mackay. Tonight, we'll be speaking to Rachel Huskison and Bridget um, about uh, everything library. Uh, so, hopefully. Uh, we'll have lots to talk about tonight in terms of how to try to uh, increase a library's um, dominance in school. How it is. And how this it is. is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And good evening and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. So tonight uh, we are talking to Bridget Hamlet and Rachel Huskison about everything library. Good evening both, how are you? Really good, thanks. Fabulous. Um, we're just trying to, I think, trying to get uh, Rachel on. Is that right, Rachel? Look, are you there yet? Um, uh, I'm Rachel speaking now. Can you hear me? Again? It's Rachel speaking now, so it's it's Bridget. We we we've not got at the moment. So um, let's uh, keep going then, and let's start with the first thing then. So the first thing then, Pleasure. Rachel. Um, um, have we got them? Have we got you both, Bridget? Are you there? Hi, I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. That's brilliant. Thank you ever so much for coming. It's so wonderful to have you on the show and it's really going to be nice to talk to you tonight. So first things first, then let's go uh, with you, Rachel. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your school and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm Rachel Huskison. I am based in the Midlands and I work in a small private school in Derby. Um, I'm a solo librarian and I've been there for three years. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I'm Bridget. Hi, I'm Bridget Hamlet. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota. I'll mention that so people aren't wondering about my accent. Um, <laughs> I first qualified uh, to teach English and as a school librarian in the States. Moved here in 2002 and started in Coventry as a teacher. And then I moved to Leicester as an advisory librarian. And now I'm at Russian Mead Academy in Leicester, which is a great big secondary school that is outstanding. And yeah, I love it. Okay, that's brilliant. I know Russian Mead coming from Leicester myself. Uh, so first things first then. I mean, first of all, thank you again for coming on to the show. It's absolutely fantastic to have you both here. Um, so um, we'll go uh, back to you, uh, Rachel, to start off with. Can you tell me, what is it like for you being a librarian at your school? <laughs> Um, well, it, it's really varied. I think um, just to give you a bit more background, before I was in the school I'm in now, I worked at big in this, um, a big state school, uh, quite a high uh, area of deprivation. So I've experienced two quite extreme settings. <laughs> um, and one of the issues with my old school, sadly, was there was a lot of behaviour problems, which made it a really hard 
job to do. Um, yeah. So where I am now, the behaviour is really well managed. It's a smaller sort of setting and I am able to actually do my job as a librarian, which I love. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really mixed. Every day is totally different. We've got classes coming in, um, working with lots of different groups. And yeah, I love it. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, that's brilliant. So same question to you, uh, Bridget. What's it like working as a librarian in your school? Yeah, well, I think you can probably tell from both of us, we do love being li- being a librarian is a privilege. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes. Um, I'm in an amazing school, genuinely an amazing school. It is like a family. It's huge with about 1,800 students, but we have impeccable behavior. Honestly, they're so polite. I feel so supported. It's bustling, um, busy, busy, busy all the time. It can be (laughs) relentless. But it's, you know, the better I am at my job, the busier I am. So, you know, it's a good problem to have, I suppose. And I just have, you know, a really lovely rapport with the students and the staff and you know in general I feel like I have ideas people listen to my ideas and I'm really well supported. That's absolutely fantastic um, it's always good to have a fantastic librarians at school especially people that are so passionate about libraries like yourself um, so in terms of your library um, and this time Bridget I'm going to come to you first um, how have you since you've been at your school how have you raised the profile of your school library how have you made it kind of the beating heart of your school well, <laughs> there's lots and lots of little things going on, but I suppose the, yep. the main thing was my ethos towards it. So when I started, I, I really take a customer service and marketing approach to the library. You know, I, I take a professional approach to it. So yep. I think of it almost like a bookshop and Ooh, I have to oh, okay. start... I've got to start with, you know, the people who have the money, which is SLT. So I need to get them on board first (laughs) and make sure they understand my vision. They understand my passion. They understand, you know, what it's going to take for it to be an outstanding library service. And, you know, you've got to work from that angle and Mm -hmm. get the stock up to date. So making sure that you have everything everybody wants. I'm just constantly reading. I keep up to date with books, get new books. And, you know, I recognize that I'm part of a massive team of like 280 staff and, you know, build rapport with them because they help me to market the library to all of the students. So that's, you know, from a vision point of view, I've had to do that on the ground. It's coming up with ideas, initiatives, approaching people saying, hey, you know, should we try this? Could you promote this book? I saw mm-hmm. this, this links to your curriculum. So I've got to have knowledge of the curriculum so that the teachers buy in to my ideas and are willing to go with me on yeah. you know, a project or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. trialing a lot of new things and then growing them from you know a pilot. Okay, so it, it seems like it's it's one of those things that takes a lot of time, but it doesn't seem to be um, something that you... Um, necessarily don't like giving up that time because it seems the passion that you have for that library seems to kind of motivate you to keep you going um so rachel same question to you how have you raised the profile of your library yeah a lot of similar things really i started Mm -hmm. um in between the lockdowns of covid so it was quite an interesting time to start the library (laughs) closed for a good six months and Mm -hmm. um it needed 
the, the first thing I did really was go through the stock. I did a massive stock take, weeded out loads of stuff um, just to make it accurate because a lot of the students were coming and looking for things and couldn't find them. And that's like, it's not a very satisfying, going to the customer service thing is not very satisfying if you can't find what you need. So yeah. spent quite a lot of time getting on top of that and then using our library management system to really promote what we had, um, put together vision and aims that tied in with the school aims and um yeah just kind of worked on really marketing it put i got a twitter page started um making sure that the school newsletter always had something in about the library every time we did something you know the parents would know there'd be photos um and also yeah. did a big sort of school survey just to try and get some student boys um okay it, yeah. it's quite a well-established library where i am so mm-hmm. it's, it, it's sort of been there a long time but it was i felt like it was important to kind of get current views on it and whether things whether students might like things to be a bit different um so yeah it's uh, loads of things genre fied the fiction so i changed yeah the way it's all ordered and things like that but yeah lots of things. again it sounds like it's it's one of those things isn't it if you want to make something good you have to kind of put the time and the passion into it um and it certainly seems that that's something that the two of you have actually put into it i mean both of them sound like a really professionally run libraries if it's something which is it, it's something that you want the kids to understand is literally for them and it's it's about them and i think that's absolutely wonderful um so, I mean, our library, certainly one of the things that you said, uh, Rachel, about having to clear out old books, it's one of the things that we're trying to do at the moment at our school library. Um, we have loads of, 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 of non-fiction books. I think those are the ones that I we have found the hardest because um, they're linked to subject. We have science, non-fiction and obviously history and geography. It's kind of when do they run out? They have a shelf life of 10 years. Do you then... You know, if if a new if something you know amazing comes out, do you then get rid of that book, or do you keep it for a little bit longer? Um, so actually, that's that that brings to a, a, an off the cuff question. Um, um, when it comes to nonfiction, do you find that you spend a lot of time um, taking those books out and kind of uh, replacing them with with newer versions of things, or can you leave them for a little bit longer? Do you think? Um, I don't know. I don't know, Rachel. If you want to go first. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, for for my first year, I didn't really touch anything because I needed to know exactly how the library was used by different staff. Um, yeah. We've got a sixth form as well, so there's often a lot of um, research projects that go on. So once I'd left it for a year and figured out how things were used and then sort of went through it all systematically, creating mm-hmm. a weeding policy, so following guidelines from the School Library Association and other places. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it is, like you say, things over 10 years old, you really, they've got to earn their place if you're keeping them. You've got to have a good reason to keep it. Um, And different subject areas uh, are updated more frequently than others, you know, just down to the nature of the the subject. So it does take, um, you've got to go through each book individually, really, and and assess it, and that does take time. So Mm -hmm. I tend to break it down into chunks, and each term i'll have a focus on certain areas try and get subject teachers involved as well not always yeah. easy but i do give them the option <laughs> to come and have a look some teachers are real hoarders and they don't like to let go of things so <laughs> that fire a bit, but yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can certainly agree with you on that one. Um, Bridget, what about you? Do you spend a lot of time kind of getting rid of those non-fiction books? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a much more ruthless editor of my collection, yeah. I guess I would say. Okay. Um, I, I think I, I'm, I know that I'm in a privileged position because I have access to a really incredible school's library service. So I, I knew when I started five years ago, that was the first thing I had to do, just like Rachel said, is get the stock sorted. And um, I mean, I've kept some really old ones just as an example, just to show people how important it is. So I think there was yeah. a hairdressing book <laughs> from 1985. Um, oh, so yeah. <laughs> it was it's really exciting to look at. Um, so, you know, I follow all the guidelines again, you know, because I'd been an advisory librarian, I had gone into so many schools to, to edit, like literally yeah. they you know, paid our traded service to come in and edit their collection. So yeah. I felt pretty confident um, and I knew I'd be able to get the up-to-date stock to fill the gaps. Um, mm. So I, w I wasn't so worried about that. And I just knew that they take up valuable space. They also, you know, can bring down the appearance of your collection. It's, you know, again, it's that bookshop mentality, that marketing side of things. And, you know, just because it's there and on the shelf, doesn't necessarily mean anybody's going to borrow it and if they're not yeah. taking it out well you know what's the point of having it there nobody's actually referencing it can that space be used for something more valuable um so yeah. definitely um it's it's really important and you know they are mass-produced objects so i think yes. sometimes people get really precious about about books but i think <laughs> they're they mass-produced it's Yes. It is not the, you know, the original. Okay, so it's okay. It's okay to get yeah. rid of them and get new stuff in. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, certainly that with the 1985 hairstyle book is certainly something I'd like to look at because it probably I tried to find my hair, which is now missing um, <laughs> after 49 years on this earth. Right, I'm going to take a very quick break and then I'm going to come back to you in a couple of seconds. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support, whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. Right, so welcome back to the show. We are here with Rachel Huskisson and Bridget um, Hawthorne um, Hamlet, and we are talking about all things library. So... Let's go to the next one, uh, which is something that I found is is really kind of something for me, which I found in my school is affecting us. So with school budgets being kind of squeezed the way that they are, how have you managed to keep the library up to date and relevant? Uh, so I'm going to come back to you, Bridget, if you can start that one, if you can for me. So um, as I mentioned before, as I, I do rely heavily on our school's library service. We're fortunate in yep. Leicester, Leicestershire that we still have one. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I do have to recognize that, you know, I've benefited hugely from the work of my predecessor, um, mm -hmm. who always insisted the library and really fought hard for the library to be funded properly. So 
I know I'm in a rare position that we spend about 13 pounds per student um, yeah. in our library budget. And I feel really strongly that that shouldn't be the exception. That should actually be the norm. So, yeah. you know, I do utilize the services and resources that I have at my disposal very, very well. Um, books and initiatives, they, they do cost money. And we know that reading for pleasure is the most important aspect of the child's future success and health and happiness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And with that in mind, I think, well, really, people need to question the spending priorities. I think there are perhaps, you know, places where things can be looked at more critically at times yeah. um, that aren't always looked at critically. I think sometimes um, IT budgets are quite massive at times <laughs> comparati yeah. comparatively. And they get replaced and relevant and updated all the time and nobody questions it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. you know, things like that. But I just, you know, I do look for value for money. I do use um, really good library suppliers because it's not just the money. It's also the time. It's recognizing that you need to be effective with your time and your professional time. Um, yeah. So using all of those services at my disposal um, hopping on to different initiatives. Um, I enter lots of competitions on Twitter. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I absolutely with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, I take advantage of the World Book Day um, book packs. Yeah. So that's a huge one for taking down a barrier. With you know, we've got a large disadvantaged population. Even though you get the one yep. pound book vouchers, they they have to yeah. actually go to the shop and get the books. Well, they weren't doing that. Indeed, yeah. So to take down that barrier, I buy the book packs. It's 50 books for five pounds. It's 10p a book. And we yeah. just give them to the kids. So it just sometimes oh, wow. it's being creative and, and taking down those barriers. Um, and that's, I think, a really good good use of money um, and making the most of, of what you've got. But I can say hands down, having the school's library service is a huge, <laughs> huge <laughs> cost and time saver. I'm really fortunate. Okay, brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. Uh, so Rachel, the same thing. Um, how have you kept your library budget up to date with, with that squeeze? Well, again, um, I'm in a really privileged position where I've got a healthy budget um, being in the right. private sector as well. That's yeah. um, obviously um, not as big an issue, but I'm part of um, a Facebook group with about 900 school librarians on. So I would say mm -hmm. almost every day you're seeing sort of you're hearing stories about budgets being cut or, you know, yeah. you're just suddenly given zero money. And, and it's just so sad because even with a small nominal budget, you can refresh stock and just keep it um, looking a little, little bit more up to date. Because as soon as the books start getting tatty and, um, you know, they're just not appealing and then people stop using mm. it and your loan figures go down, the school will say, well, it's not being used, not a valuable resource, but it's just this catch-22 then, isn't it? So <laughs> it is it is sad that um, there's this issue in schools and it's part of the reason why I got involved with the Great School Library campaign because... Um, yeah their campaign is to see every school have a, a library and the fact that it's not statutory to have a school library when it is in yeah. prisons is quite something um but yeah the current situation is that schools are given their budget and it's up to them how they spend it so the library mm -hmm. can sometimes be seen as a an easy way of saving money and everyone's under pressure at the moment aren't they so yeah. 
yeah absolutely it is i mean i mean what we one of the things we've got is uh kindles in our library and one of the things that we've tried to do is um there's a a website called www.bookbub.com and it's essentially it gives you free ebooks um or very cheap ebooks which we've kind of loaded onto those e-readers um to try to get those lent out um just so that you know there is a, a wealth of books there as well because that's one of the ways that we've tried to because our our budget obviously has been has been cut as well because it's you've got to try to be creative in the way that you get books i don't know if you've done the same thing whether you've got things like audible or some way of, of listening to it because one of the things that i've tried to do to keep it relevant is to try to find some way of getting audio books i've not figured out a way yet um oh, because there are oh brilliant fantastic thank you yes please if you could that would Sorry be amazing to interrupt um, well, especially you're in Leicester, you've got one of the best public library <laughs> services in the country. They yep. fought hard for it. Leicester has amazing free audiobooks, free newspapers, free magazines, free comic books, yep. um, free ebooks, um, all through various apps. So there's a Libby app. You can just go to the Leicester Library's website. So most public libraries, I mean, I live in Warwickshire. Warwickshire has the same thing. Um, yep. And so I think a lot of people don't realize they can get free audiobooks. I listen to them every single day on my commute, mm. every day, yep. and absolutely free. So that's what I promote in my school library is the free use of the public library system, free ebooks and audiobooks and magazines and comic books. Fabulous. So that is certainly something that we can do in our library. That's brilliant. <laughs> certainly something I didn't know. It's amazing these things that you learn. I mean, I've been Good. obviously... I've been a literacy coordinator for about five years now and trying to run the library as well, obviously. So having things like this is is brilliant because it, it helps me a lot because then I can pass <laughs> this on. Um, so let's um, think about it. Are there any other ways that you've used that's helped you to um, keep up to date without spending? So, for instance, uh, sometimes um, I go around and look in... Um, charity shops to try to see if there are any really quite good books that I can buy cheaply and put in the library. Is, do you do anything like that? Or is there any other kind of cost saving ones like the, the, the library app or um, funding it in different ways that you found to to make the library still up to date, but on a, on a really tight budget? I'm a big fan of the charity shop, yes. Um, yeah. You can often pick up some really good bargains. It's great for getting sort of um, popular books that they, that the kids get through quite quickly. So I always go and have a browse there. Um, book Buzz is a good initiative. I don't know if you've come across that. Where I've heard of it. about £3 a head per student and you pay for the, the books, but then you get two or three extra sets for your library free. Um, mm -hmm. so that's quite a nice one to do and I do believe and I might be wrong on this Bridget that state schools <laughs> get a packet of a, a box of books uh, each year but I don't know if that's changing it's or... just finished it's yeah just we, finished. we used oh. to get the school library pack it was amazing but that again central central government I'm sure cut that somewhere along the line um <laughs> I know some schools who use like wish lists so you can use library suppliers 
Um, so, you know, there's various li- library suppliers up and down the country. I'm sure you use them to buy your textbooks and things like that. Um, so, for example, Brown's Books for Students, Peter's Books, um, those types of things. That oftentimes they'll do a wish list and it, um, it allows you, I mean, I know a lot of schools do still use Amazon, but Amazon isn't always the best price now. Um, people don't shop yeah. around now. They got used to using it. So it's worth checking out these other suppliers. I think Askews is another one, um, Scholastic certainly, and they'll do um, wish lists where I think you can um, create a wish list and then um, send it out to parents or other stakeholders within your school and actually get them to donate towards um, that wish list. So you're you're still selecting the stock that is going to be up to date, relevant. You've been able to research. You can get student voice and staff voice on it. Um, but, you know, you're still reliant on donations, but it, it's yet another creative way around that problem. Okay, uh, that's, Sorry. yeah. No, carry on, please. Say, I think you have to be careful with donations, don't you? Because mm. you can end up with stuff you don't really want. And then... Oh, the actual, yeah, that's why I like the wish list one. You, yeah. d- you dictate what's actually ordered. <laughs> you state this is what we're getting. Yeah, the actual book donations is always one of those um, really interesting diplomatic <laughs> situations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've had a little request. Um, T- one of the people that are actually in TRK Radio has actually asked whether or not you can repeat uh, the website name uh, for the free books. Um, was it was that Book Buzz, I think, was. Yeah, so I can With... type it if that helps. But yeah, that would be great if you could. By the Book Trust. But yeah, if you mm-hmm. book buzz, um, I think that will work. Um, okay. So, right, so, yeah. so um, the next uh, thing, and the next one is about um, your most borrowed books. Now, hopefully we'll have a really good conversation on this one because we, <laughs> at the moment, we have got the, and I'm trying to remember the name of them because literally I wrote them down and the piece of paper that I wrote them down and has gone. Um, so it is a, a television series at the minute on Netflix and there's a bunch of books. It's an LGBTQ plus series. Heartstopper. Heartstopper, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. they, are, they are literally <laughs> flying off of our shelves. Um, we've, we've had to buy an extra set of them because literally everyone wants to read them at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, personally, I, I haven't read any of them just yet, um, but obviously it's something that I'm going to try to read in the future. So um, I don't know who wants to go first, um, but what are your most borrowed books Um Bridget, let's go with you first. All right. So, yeah, Heartstopper was the top of my list. So, oh, <laughs> yep, you're okay. right. Right on there. We've got, yeah, three copies. It, You know, actually, if teachers want to keep up to date with the reading, that's a really, really quick, easy one to be on, on the money with because yeah. I read all four mm-hmm. in, like, one afternoon. Um, but alongside Heartstopper, just manga books, so anime and manga books in general, graphic novels, so, like, Raina Telgemeier, Dave Pilkey, who does Dogman, Jamie Smart with the uh, Bunny versus Monkey books. Aaron Blady mm-hmm. does the um, the bad guys. So a lot of them are um, television related, but like the Bunny versus Monkey is great because it's part of the Phoenix comic series, and um, that's from David Fickling, um, yeah. and they're just amazing. Um, you've got your old favorites that the kids still love. So you yeah. still got your Wimpy Kid, Tom Gates, Dork Diaries, mm-hmm. um, Harry Potter, perennially popular. You can't go wrong with those. Um, but I like that a lot of them are getting into Pamela Butchart. So yeah. She's a great 
comedy writer. Um, they like the Little Bad Man series by um, Harry White and Hamza Arshad. Um, and for older readers, especially, we've got the detective and murder mysteries are hugely popular now. So the Holly yeah. Jackson, Good Girl's Guide to Murder, Robin <laughs> Stevens, Murder Most Unladylike, the Karen McManus, One of Us is Lying, which is the Netflix tie-in as well. Um, I always promote the Maureen Johnson um, Truly Devious series. So that's like massive. And then they, of course... <laughs> Enemies to lovers, <laughs> the old, old Pride <laughs> yeah. and Prejudice classic. But yes. the, the modern uptake has that supernatural romance or the dystopian side to it. So you've got your Holly Black mm -hmm. with Cruel Prince. I think we've got a list of like <clears throat> 10 people waiting for that. Um, yeah. Sabata Hears, Ember in the Ashes series, Sarah J. Moss, um, Cassandra Clare, Lee Bardugo, all of all of them. <laughs> yeah. just, so, so just great. So everyone seems to, to be coming into your library with the amount of books being borrowed that is absolutely fantastic yeah, yeah it's, i mean it's I, true <laughs> i mean i can certainly I, it, it it's one of the Prose and prejudice is one of my favorite books um and same as wuthering heights it's 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 the, the classical nature of those ones i love and i always endorse those books so when people are in there and i'm in there i say why don't you try this one um and they just look look at me as if to say you know this is <laughs> you know, a, a classic book, why are you recommending this? So, um, Rachel, I'm going to come to you after the news uh, because we're going to break for news at the moment um, and then we'll come back in about five or six minutes' time uh, to talk to Rachel about the books which are most borrowed from hers. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this... Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support, whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. RAC remains the top education story across many media outlets, with the BBC focusing on the impact the issue is having on universities across the UK. The news website refers to closures of lecture theatres, science labs and student unions. So far, 14 universities have told the BBC that they have closed or partially closed areas containing the reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete. Some lectures have had to be relocated, and a small number of universities have had to find alternative accommodation for students, as halls of residence have also been affected. This has placed additional pressures on universities already facing housing shortages, with charity Unipol suggesting that student housing shortages are going to get worse in some cities. Student numbers are growing, but the number of new rooms is tumbling. This is largely due to high building costs, older buildings falling into disrepair, and now rack concerns are adding to the issue. 
Last week, the DfE published the list of 147 schools in England built using the concrete. Six unions have now written to Education Secretary Gillian Keegan asking a series of urgent questions. The BBC says that Essex is the county in England with the most affected schools, with 25 closed, partly closed or making alternative arrangements. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has dismissed suggestions that he was at fault for the concrete crisis. During Prime Minister's question time, he said his government had acted decisively, whilst opposition leader Sakir Starmer referred to him as Captain Hindsight. In Wales, only two schools have so far been affected by RAC, but First Minister Mark Drakeford said inspections were ongoing. In Scotland, Humza Youssef has outlined his plans for the coming year, with a heavy focus on expanding childcare provision, saying it is the best way to support families. This plan includes the recruitment of a thousand more childminders by 2026. Free childcare hours are being extended to two-year-olds across the country. There will be a pilot of expanded care from nine months to the end of primary in six local authority areas, and free school meals for P6 and P7 pupils moves forward. But those in receipt of the Scottish Child Payment will receive them first by 2024, with others following by 2026. Last week, Mr Yusuf also commented on the issue of banning single-use vapes and linked this to the comments made about young people using vapes too often. He stated that the government will consult on curbing the sale of disposable single-use vapes, including consulting on an outright ban. According to The Guardian, South Korean teachers have staged walkouts over harassment by parents and students. Thousands of staff attended a rally in Seoul demanding better protection after a number of teacher suicides. Teachers are being increasingly vocal about their experiences of maltreatment, including being accused of child abuse after disciplining students. Around 15,000 teachers attended a rally last week and some schools had to temporarily close due to a lack of staff. As of June 2023, 100 school teachers had died by suicide in the country since 2018. The current education ministry blamed the current situation on previous governments, saying that they had overemphasised students' human rights over teachers' rights. Finally, The Guardian also reports that a city in Japan is tackling a rise in truancy with the help of robots. Two schools in Kumamoto have purchased mechanical assistance to help children regain confidence in dealing with teachers and their peers. It is hoped the robots will encourage children to attend classes remotely and eventually coax them back in person. The robots will be equipped with microphones, speakers and cameras. Students learning remotely will be connected to the robots via laptops, allowing them to attend and take part in discussions. The robots will not be confined to classrooms, but be free to roam so pupils can take part in other events and enjoy social times remotely too. Japan, like many countries, including the UK, is facing a rise in the number of pupils refusing to go to school since the pandemic. Could robots be the key to improvement? This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we've all returned to work and I'm going to discuss the old argument of digital or paper diary. For every argument for going digital, there's a counter argument for not and vice versa. 
You can access a digital diary from anywhere, on any device, but if you don't have a signal, it's useless. A paper diary can't get hacked, but it can be picked up and read if left lying around. You get the point. I personally like a digital diary, as it suits the way I work. I can add links to online meetings, add notes and attach documents. I can see my day, week, month, year at the click of a button. And the most useful thing for me is I get reminder notifications. One thing to consider if moving digital this year is policies on phones in your school, as this is the most likely way you'll access it on the move. And probably most importantly, if you're using your phone, will you be able to resist the notifications from other apps or emails you see when you switch it on to use it? Cost doesn't really apply as a factor because you probably already have a phone capable of running a digital diary. But work-life balance may need to be considered as the diary is there 24-7. This can, however, be remedied by using do not disturb settings for notifications. In the end, it's a personal choice. Are you paper or digital? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, so welcome back to the show. We are talking to Rachel Huskinson and Bridget Hamlet about all things library. So before the news, we were talking to Bridget and asked her about all the lovely books that people take off, the most borrowed books. Um, so Rachel, same question. What are the most borrowed books in your school? Well, you won't be surprised to hear that Heartstopper is probably <laughs> the top of my list as well. Um, no. Yeah, we had to limit it to one week only loans at one point yeah. because we were just uh, struggling to get them out. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, Good Girl's Guide to Murder, as Bridget's mentioned, very popular the crime and mystery books in our school. So um trying to get other books for them to read that are similar is what i'm always looking for because they get through mm -hmm. those quite quickly um the summer i turn pretty which is another tv tie-in one i think it's on netflix that's a popular series yes I, yes really i think i've seen that uh, school for good and evil as well which I, again uh, so, uh, you know there's obviously a theme the netflix thing is a big uh, draw i think um mm -hmm. Yeah, so I suppose my challenge is really trying to get them to read a bit more broadly around some of the things that perhaps don't feel so familiar. Um, Book talk is another big influencer with some of yes. our um, students. So you often get, you start to see patterns when they start asking for certain things. You think, oh, okay, this one's probably on book talk. Um, so yeah, the big fantasy series, they're all popular, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to ask about that. Um, uh, I've had some people mention that before, BookTok, being, being the ancient kind of man that I am. Um, what is BookTok? Well, uh, I don't actually use it myself because I'm not on TikTok, yep. but I think it's, okay. and Bridget can correct me if I'm wrong, it's a sort of stream of TikTok where people talk about books and, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like little short uh, reviews um, that people follow. But, yeah, feel free to jump in, Bridget. <laughs> I mean, I'm, similar to you, I, I'm not on TikTok. I'm very um, protective of my own um, mental health and I, yep. I know social media needs limitations and stuff but um, I have the exact same thing happen at my school they, they see things on book talk and we are then prey to the algorithms and also it's you know 
a lot of the stuff not necessarily appropriate, not necessarily <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. right for the age group. They just see it as cool. And once you start to get to know the student, and it is really building that relationship, finding out, right, you saw this, it's really cool. But what is it actually that you really want in a book? And when you start to drill down a little bit, you can say, well, how about how about we try this instead? This might be a little bit mm-hmm. more your speed sort of a thing. So, um, yeah, because we had the uh, the old Karen Hoover, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Karen, <laughs> Colleen yeah. Hoover. <sighs> okay, let's not mention it. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's, it's tricky. And, but again, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's the best thing. No. And it's trying to make yeah. them a little bit more discerning. Yeah. Yeah. How how could how could we how could we do that? Um, that's that's possible. You know, that's a, a random question. How can we make kids more discerning when they come into the library? How do we? Um, is it is it the way we advertise the library? Is it the way we set out the library that helps them to kind of broaden their horizons? Um, or do we have to? rely on teachers do we have to have the help of of other people how do we get the kids to broaden their horizons once they walk through those doors into your library um i don't know who wants to go with that one first i know it's a random question i I didn't give you but (laughs) um we had we have library lessons with our year sevens and eights um yeah so we get regular opportunities to encourage book talk um Mm -hmm. Uh, this week, for example, we did a whole thing on uh, how you choose a book, you know, trying to be a bit more discerning, um, giving them ideas for looking at reviews. We, we use our catalogue system. We have a great dashboard sort of uh, interface for the students where there are loads of um, book lists, reviews, mm-hmm. um, links to other websites and stuff. So trying to get them to kind of just not yeah to kind of i suppose look into it a bit more deeply and not just either randomly pick a shelf a book off the shelf because it's a thin Hmm. book or something that they've they've only you know they they know it's getting them to think of the things that or try things that are new like read the first few pages Hmm. see what you think um, yeah, but definitely getting teachers involved. We all, all our teachers have a, a sign on their door that says "I am reading," and I encourage the students if their teacher hasn't been updating it to go and ask the teacher if they're still reading the same book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bridget, same question. Um, yeah, very similarly, we've got you know amazing website. We we do have library lessons as well, and there's a couple of little things that I've tried that have, have been quite effective. So I do. Um, one of the things I teach in the lessons is what three words. So when they come up to the desk, they have to say three words that kind of tell me something about that book to indicate that they have um, read the blurb, looked inside, Mm -hmm. that they actually know what they're getting with that book. And if the three words they say doesn't match what that book is actually about, I think, well, let's let's have a little chat about this. Um, So it just makes them stop and think, but it's a quick way for me because you know, I do lend out a lot of books. <laughs> I do have yeah. a few. Yeah. So it's trying to get it through quickly. Um, and we have, like Rachel said, you know, getting the teachers to promote. So our geography department's amazing. One of the things they yeah. do is they just pick one book per term. 
Um, mm-hmm. All the staff read that book. They make they ask me first. I get to pick the book, which is nice. Um, I have multiple copies of the book. Another, it's a simple thing, but so many people promote a book that you either don't have in the library or you yeah. have one copy. So it's like nice. They're they're thoughtful, and and then they get rewarded um, for trying that book for having a chat with their geography teacher about that book. And it really, you know, sends it sort of around the school. So, you know, other departments are starting to take note of that. And it's a quick win mm-hmm. for them. Um, yeah. but it's really good for the students to try new things as well. Well, I mean, that's certainly something that I've, I've certainly written that down, getting the departments involved. I mean, certainly, um, because then everyone becomes involved and it becomes a whole school thing, which is, I think, essential for a library to flourish is to get every single department and all the staff kind of buying in to the sense that the library is that part of the school and it's going to help kind of tie into all their lessons. Um, so let's move on to the next question that I've got for you. So, um, Bridget, I'm going to come back to you again. So what has been your kind of most successful campaign to get students through that door and into the library? Uh, so I, I don't know if I'd really class it as a campaign as such, but I yeah. I really feel really strongly about equitable access and opportunity, especially, you know, with us being in an area of deprivation. Uh, we have a massive EAL um, cohort yeah. in our school. So it's really important that I take down any barriers. And so I... Um, Year two of, of certain there, I approached the English curriculum and asked for some curriculum time um, for library lessons for all year groups. So yep. it's kind of common to have year seven, maybe year seven and eight. But um, we actually have every every kid. I see every kid pretty much once a half term. Um, and with 1,800 students, that's that's no mean feat. <laughs> so, yeah, we've yes. got that 14, 14 form entry. So it's a it's a logistical nightmare for me to work it out. Yeah. But um they they do give up that curriculum time because they buy into it as well and they know it's important. And um, for me, I know every single student at some point is brought into the library. They don't have to come on yeah. their own because reluctant readers, they do think of it as a punishment. They don't want to come during their break and lunch because they want to be running around outside. And, and I yeah. can understand that. I don't want them to see the library as a punishment. And when mm-hmm. they come in, I make sure that they're welcome that I, you know they know I want them to be there I love seeing them and so that commitment from the English department I really really appreciate that yeah and I think it does make a huge difference and you know we lend like 2,000 books a month mm. and um, wow. you know I'm really proud of that and I think our students really do value reading so I think a lot of it's down to that really simple idea of they're being brought into the library Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, certainly. Um, again, I'm writing all of these things down because this is kind of like CPD for me. I'm going to go back to my school um, to um, Monday morning and just start implementing some of these things. So, um, uh, Rachel, same thing to you. What's been your most successful campaign to get students kind of through those doors and into your library? I think similar to Bridget, really, it's about working with staff and, and encouraging them to bring classes in because um, we only have timetabled year seven and eight, but the library can be booked for all sorts of things. We now have a year 10 project, which is all about um, research and inquiry learning. So that's a really good opportunity to um, get involved there and um, I can contribute as well because obviously librarians aren't just about um, reading for pleasure. There's all sorts of skills we have as far yeah. as information literacy and and just um, it's all it 
it's it's hard work sometimes because you feel like you're constantly trying to make these links but listening being aware of what's going on across the school dropping an mm -hmm. email to someone it doesn't always land but you might say oh i heard you're doing this this is what we've got we can offer yeah. You know, do you want to bring the, your class in? Getting them to link homework to a library skill, yep. you know, or you know, um, come to the library, um, find a book to do with the subject, read it, whatever. You know, it's those little things that um, make broaden it and make it whole school, which it is. It's whole school resource, and, and that's what I'm really trying to do at the moment. So uh, we're getting there. <laughs> absolutely i mean i certainly think that's a really good thing i really like the fact you know the homework you know go to the library borrow a book that's to do with the topic that we're doing at the moment and read it um i think that could be a, a really fantastic way of getting kids into the library it's certainly something again i'm, I'm running out of paper because the amount of things <laughs> i'm writing down Obviously because it's, it's the just librarian before yeah. that they've got enough yeah. books <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that would be a good thing because you don't want them going into the library and having no books um but yeah certainly trying to get people through the door so trying to get people through the door through library lessons you both mentioned library lessons what sort of things do you do when you come into those library lessons um because um i know that, that we used to do them we don't do them anymore but it's certainly something that i would like to bring back so when you the, the 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 kids do bring them through the door, uh, the, sorry, the the teachers bring them through the door. What do you do with them, uh, Rachel? Do you want to go first, and then I'll ask Bridget afterwards. Sure. Um, so we've actually just changed our timetable this year. Um, so up until this year, they had we had single lessons, so we had a half an hour every week. Now we get an hour every two weeks, so we've had to really yeah. think about how it works. But our library lessons are very much tied in with the English scheme of work, which isn't the case in a lot of schools. But um, so they usually, what we're doing is they have an activity for the first half that is linked with whatever's going on in their English curriculum. And then mm -hmm. the second half, so the second 30 minutes, uh, is uh, choosing and reading silently. Um, and then during yep. that time, I do one-to-ones with them just to catch up on okay. what they're reading. We, they have a reading record with a bingo sheet. So I go through that with them just to kind of keep them motivated and check there aren't any problems with that. Um, but the activities really vary. They might be to do with um, reading for pleasure or they might be linked with a research task. So mm -hmm. they're doing, for example, Anne Frank's diary at the moment, one group. Yeah. Um, so, and then we might have autobiographies or some sort of um, inquiry project where they'll be using databases and sort of teaching them those kind of skills. So yeah, it's really varied. Um, but the, it, I sort of share it with the teachers. So we, we sort of yeah. co-teach those lessons. Uh, but yeah. Okay, fabulous. That's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Bridget, same question to you. Yeah, so um, ours is a bit more light touch, but it is a one hour lesson. And so the year seven, because I get to see them twice a half term, so 12 times in the year, really. I have yep. like a 12 lesson curriculum that I've designed, I suppose. Um, the first half, I call it a mini lesson. Um, so it's how the library works, how to use the website, how to search for books, how to find the right books, um, yep. different reading initiatives. Um, challenges things like that um so we've got that for the first half and then the second half much like rachel is you know definitely time to browse borrow books sit down read um and and just have that really nice um 
time in the library, as it were. Um, as they get older, because I only yeah. see them once a half term, Mm-hmm. It becomes, again, the challenges initiative. So certainly if, the, if we've got higher ability students, I definitely put out more challenging books. Um, we do different book challenges through different companies and stuff as well. And um, so really promoting that. But the first half tends to be like a book talk. So I will talk about, I don't know, five to ten different books, maybe new books, etc. cetera. Um, and then they've got time to browse. And I've just started having them do a, a little bit of a focused reading task. So they have a certain amount of time to find the books. They come back to the tables and on my whiteboard I put up. Um, it's kind of linked to the GCSE paper one questions. Yeah. Um, so just to get them kind of thinking about those things in a light touch way and get it yeah. habitually to think about writer's choices and really it focuses their attention. They appreciate that structure. And so I mm. get a lot more focused reading by them answering those things on mini whiteboards as opposed to just diaphanously read silently. It, it wasn't always working. Um, and that seems to be working. That, that, <laughs> that format's working all right. It's, I think my English teachers are happy with it. Um, so, you know, until we come up with a better plan, that, that one's working right now. <laughs> no, it, it sounds absolutely great. As I said, it, it sounds like something that, that, you know, lots of people in lots of schools can use. That's fantastic. So we're going to take a little quick break um, to, um, and then we'll come back for the last part of the show. So back in a second. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern a political alternative offering expert legal employment and mental health support protection without the politics so what makes edapt different we're always apolitical and independent specialized solely in supporting individual teachers our caseworkers are professionally qualified ensuring you always get the best advice plus there's 24 7 mental health support whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. Right, so welcome back to the show for the last part of the Late Late Show with me, Sean Mackay, with special guests Rachel Huskisson and Bridget Hamlet. So my last kind of question to you both, um, and I might throw an extra one in because I'm one of the things that I wanted um, that I thought about just before I came onto the show was the fact that the two of you are kind of librarians. And I just wanted to very quickly ask you before I go on to my final question, how essential is it? for a school library to have a librarian um rachel do you want to go with that one first (laughs) well i'm gonna say yes totally essential Um, yeah you can have a room full of books but it's not a library until the librarian is there um curating it just um making it work establishing how it links with the rest of the school it's yeah. it, it is vital um using the word librarian can be a bit problematic because yeah um 
there's a whole broad spectrum of people who work in libraries from um i would say library worker is probably you know some yeah. people might not call themselves a librarian if they haven't got library qualifications um, yeah. to me it doesn't matter if you're in a school and you're working in the library you're a librarian but there's a huge issue within the profession um because it's been eroded over the last few years that the, yeah. you know the schools don't always value the professionalism of librarians so yeah. there's a lot of stuff that um isn't quite where it should be and it's in my in my opinion it's gone too far the other way and needs kind of re-establishing but there's yeah obviously there are a lot of issues around that um but yes a librarian is essential totally <laughs> absolutely agree with you so bridget the same to you do you th how essential are librarians to the school library well of course i'm going to say they're incredibly essential um but it <laughs> yeah. does it makes a huge difference and um you know trying not to stand on a soapbox here um but you know, it, it is a whole school resource. It requires expert attention. You know, we run a massive database. I think people forget the behind the scenes. Those books don't mm -hmm. just magically appear on the shelves. We have websites that are public facing. We um, deal with every single student and staff member in the school and provide a customer service for all of them. You know, we don't yeah. have food tech teachers running the canteen. We don't have math <laughs> teachers running the finance department. I've yeah. never understood why on earth, with all of the stress and pressure that teachers are under, any teacher would be responsible for running the library? It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You need an expert yeah. there who knows what they're doing and can pay attention to it. And if you really want to advance a reading culture, and if you mm -hmm. really do want reading for pleasure to advance in your school, you've got to get an expert in. And you have yeah. to pay for an expert. You yeah. can't get it on the cheap. You know, you do get what you pay for. And I mm -hmm. think it's really important. You know, we can't deprofessionalize teaching and we can't deprofessionalize librarianship. And if you go down that route, you know, where do we stop? You can't get a computer program that does what a human being does. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think they are absolutely essential. Um, and hopefully any librarians or schools that don't have a librarian, think again, you need those experts in the room. So my last question for tonight, um, to summarise, um, what are your three kind of top tips for raising the profile of a school library and kind of getting more students to come into it? So uh, Bridget, let's go with you first. I'll try to be quick. Right. Um, <laughs> I think one really important thing is to make sure that your library program is part of the whole school reward system. So whatever reward yeah. system you've got. So we have like a house trophies for various things. Um, and one of them is a reading trophy. So that's just um, strictly by house book borrowing. Um, but it adds to the competition. It adds to the profile. We get the house leaders talking about the reading trophy, adds a fun element of competition to it. So it's on the radar of everyone. Um, but yep. certainly I'm giving extracurricular reward points. We have a passport system for further reading. Anything mm -hmm. that ties into whole school systems of reward, definitely, you know, if you've got badges for other subject areas, your library has to have a badge. Anything like that, <laughs> yeah. um, yep. rewarding them. Um, making sure that, as Rachel's mentioned before, you know, sharing that good news, getting in the newsletters, um, really, you know, you've got to get, quick wins with people. So little emails, I, you know, I emailed the head of year seven today saying how proud I was of the year sevens, how great they've been in the library, how many books they've been borrowing, how fantastic they were during our silent library, all those little things. Cause you know, teachers oftentimes don't hear feedback 
um, from yeah. the, the good things they do. They they just get negative stuff. And so I'm always trying to be the force of positivity in my school as much as I possibly can. So they open their inbox on a Friday afternoon and have a lovely email from me. Mm-hmm. And that makes a big difference. And then yeah. thirdly, it's customer service matters. You know, you've got to really focus that every person that enters that library is important to you and is interesting to you and you want to know more about them and you make them feel special so that they want to come back because even for no other reason than they like being in that space. They like, they feel like they belong and it's a safe Mm -hmm. space for them and you have something there that they can't get anywhere else in school. And sometimes that might just be feeling like they're an important person. So that customer service is really, really important to me. Okay, brilliant. That's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Rachel, the same question to you. Um, so I'd say uh, number one is that relationships are key, whether that's with staff, students, senior leaders. Um, yeah. You've got to really work at those. And it's it's hard because often librarians are on duty at break and lunchtime when staff are um, in the staff room. So you do have to look for the opportunities, but... Um, like Bridget said, it's kind of shouting about what you do and, and just making sure you're constantly making people aware. I make, I do an annual report every year, which I try and share with the governors and the senior leaders, just giving a broad you know, overview of, of everything that goes on in the library because people see snippets of it, but they don't see the big picture. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, another one is student voice. So I've got quite a good team of student library helpers um, who do a great job of being ambassadors for the library they have a big oh, say okay. in what goes on competitions ideas uh, displays all sorts it's all um, through the students and it's their library after all so um, yeah, I always cool. try and make sure their voice is heard they have an award system as well that they again a bit like Bridget saying they get um, badges and all sorts they get um, taken up in assembly and given stuff so yeah that's brilliant fantastic so thank you ever so much both of you so many amazing things uh, that we've talked about in terms of um, making that library the central point the central part the beating heart of a school um, so thank you both for coming on to the show um and hopefully um i'll be able to at some point in the future maybe invite you back to talk more about books certainly the books that you recommend but thank you ever so much for coming on to the show um so that's it um ladies and gentlemen uh, for tonight on the late late show with sean mckay uh, we've been talking about all things library um, and we've had some fantastic things talked about today um, from Rachel and Bridget um, about whole school rewards and making sure that the library is whole part of that, sharing the good news with emails home and the making sure that that customer service is, is up to date, um, the building relationships, ensuring that student voice is in there. There are so many things that we've talked about throughout this Um the favourite books, um, the wish list, www.bookbuzz.com. There was those websites as well. But everything that you need in order to ensure that your library is up and running and the central part of your school. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, I'll be back in two weeks um, on Teachers Talk Radio on Friday um, from between 9 and 10. So hopefully I will see you next time. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone, and we will see you soon. 
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.